Hey everybody, it's the POD cast. That's right. I finally truly nailed an intro of this stupid show. Hello everyone. Welcome to your favorite podcast about new metal. It is the POD cast. This is episode 11. And as you may have discovered from the opening of this podcast, where I mimic the vocal stylings of the band we're doing this month, we're tackling Disturbed's The Sickness. It was both disturbing and made me sick. But before we get into that, I'd like to introduce my co-host, a man who is never afraid to be dropping plates. It's Brian Quigby. <laughs> dropping hey, plates, baby. Dropping plates. You dropping I haven't stopped plates. thinking about that song since the first time I heard it. Dude, I did it was very, something. It was very funny to me. Um, like this show is all this show is funny to me because you live in Columbus, I live in Vancouver. Um, we've met in person one time, but like, you know, most of our show just kind of like when I tell people about the show, they're like, how do you have a show about new metal with a guy from Columbus? And I'm like, fuck, I don't know. You know, it's like a weird (laughs) thing to describe. And then this, this was even funnier because I hadn't even got into the album yet. So I didn't even know that there was a song called drop in plates or anything. So like three days ago, you know, you're in Columbus, you're three hours ahead of me. So I wake up at like 10 a.m. Pacific time to it, just a text from you. And all it says is drop in plates. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? And so that I think I texted you back. Like I, I try, I think I tried to make it seem like I knew what you were talking about. Like, I think I was like, yeah, drop in plates, man. You're like, that song is nuts. And I was like, okay, I think he's talking about disturbed. No, wow. yeah, you. I think you actually said uh, I haven't listened to the album yet, and I oh, was okay. like, "Oh, well, you're in for a fucking treat, buddy," because this <laughs> is a this is a top notch album, which I just was all I could think about was this album. You know, in between my bouts of panic, which I've been having for the past three days, so you could say <laughs> I've been down with the sickness too. <laughs> what what have you been uh, What have you been panicking about? Uh, chest congestion, basically. It's oh, it's uh, okay. I get it every year. So right, like I get a cold every year. Yeah, in the summer, every I don't even think it's a cold. It's it's got to be allergies because it's always like right around the same time too. Right. So it's just every, something is growing, and then it's that this is the time it grows right and every year i think i have cancer when this happens every year i never stop thinking that and i'm always like oh time to go to the hospital and find out i'm dying and then uh, uh it goes away and this year is a different sort of year so i didn't right. think i had cancer which is sort of progress i thought i had the coronavirus for two days <laughs> Where I just even was like, uh, uh, so what I would do is I would go to Google and I would click the coronavirus tab on there and look up how I could get a test. Then I would go to the Uh, test site and I would take their online screening test. And uh, uh, it would say, you don't even have any symptoms. And I'd be like, well, (laughs) but you don't know. Sure. You're not here. (laughs) <laughs> website you're you're you, you don't have a stethoscope or anything i mean <laughs> yeah i'm at, i'm answering the questions all honestly because it's not like it's a low stakes survey but i didn't have any i mean even the symptom i have was phlegm which is like totally not coronavirus they say it's dry and i'm like well you know 
I probably have a mutated version right. of it. Right. I have the wet. I have the wet coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. W yeah. COVID nineteen. I think I pulled a producer, Dan, and ate some bad food too. So I had some diarrhea, and I just like I just spent days thinking I was flipping out. I was just flipping out, and then, you know, today I I started to feel better today, and I was like, oh, that's good. Well, that wasn't coronavirus. That was the cold I get every year and think I have cancer. Well, at least I didn't think I had cancer this time. <laughs> yeah, so it's all like it's all relative realistically. I mean, I'm a I'm definitely a hypochondriac, so this like COVID thing has not been great. It's not been great for us for us hypos out there. It's a tough uh cuz I I I never had allergies ever. And then I would say like the last probably like two or three years, maybe once I got into my thirties, it was like, okay, you have allergies now. And, but then I forget about that because I never had allergies for 30 years of my life. So I just think I don't have allergies. So then now it's like, I'll wake up in the morning and I'll be like a little bit congested, a little bit like I'll cough a little bit. Maybe I'll have a couple sneezes. And then I'm the same as you. I'm like, well, fuck. That's it, you know, and I live here. Here it is. I live in the coronavirus country, the coronavirus capital of the world. (laughs) That's true. You do. Yeah. Like in BC, we don't, I mean, Florida had 10,000 cases today and I think BC's had like 2,500 since it started. So yeah. Ohio. We're we're doing a little better. (laughs) My County is like, actually uh, like they have this four tier system here. And uh, we're they they have us at level three, but they also yeah. put a star on it that said, "Hey, you're pretty close to level four. <laughs> like, but there's they're not doing anything about it. That's is what I think is so bad? funny about. It. Like, what? you don't want to be level yeah. four. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like they're not even doing anything about it. So it's like okay, like, hey, whatever. On to yeah. phase two to reopening the economy. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely is. It's weird that like America just decided like, God, we're just whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Oh, it's over. Like whatever. We're going to everyone's going to get it. So like, fuck. Who cares? Well, somebody posted about it. I think people just got bored with it. You know, we do that. I mean, I don't think that's a uniquely American thing where we're like, we just get bored with shit and we decide it's not the news anymore. <laughs> but I think right. like we're really good at it. You know, we, we because like it's so bleak to look at the news here, you know, right, all the right. time. Like look at the president is, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's just like we just we're just like, I just don't even like I'm tired of this. You know, let's move on to the next thing. You know, well, that's the thing. It's like, it's weird in that, like, Twitter's really good for that kind of thing, but it's also very bad in that, like, I feel like if this happened in the time of newspapers or even just like the TV news in the evening, then people would probably take it a lot more seriously, I think, because they're like, because you're only getting like one update a day. And the newspaper can print a giant, like, 92-point font headline being, like, stay inside or whatever. And then you're like, fuck, the newspaper's telling me to stay inside. I better stay inside. I mean, and whereas, it, like, Twitter is just, like, all day, every day, shit talking. I mean, the thing that has blown my mind the most about this, and and I guess it's something that, you know, people from the outside might be able to see. Even people that live here can see is how truly how much we hate each other in this country. It's yeah. 
absolutely incredible how much we hate each other. Like just this, that like it is the mask thing here where it's like, Mm. if you wear a mask, you're a big giant pussy. But if you don't wear like, you know what I mean? Like people are like, people are like ready to fight each other about like this thing that is a very simple solution to, to not even a solution. It's just kind of like, Oh, if you're going to go to the fucking bar, you know, and then I was reading in Texas, Vanilla Ice has a show. Yeah, uh, he canceled it. Oh, did he? Coward. Yeah, he canceled it under pressure. You know, he couldn't handle it. It's like new new metal. Also, I I like there's a new metal festival coming up in Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah. Herd Immunity Fest that Nonpoint dropped off. So good on you, Nonpoint. And I think uh, another band did. But there's oof. like it's like an it's like a, I was saying I think I tweeted this like it's like a quote new metal festival but there's like two new metal bands on it and then the rest of it is like ACDC and Aerosmith cover bands. Yeah, it's, a, it's like it's, this isn't like it's like just because dope is the headliner or Static X minus Wayne Static. I don't even know what they call themselves now. Well, I, yeah. they still call themselves Static X, but I, I guess Dwayne Static is now the lead singer or whatever, but yeah, it's like it was dope, non-point. There were a few of them that were like real, like C plus players back in yeah. the early two thousands that were playing yeah. this thing, and then they were just like, "I ain't fucking doing this thing." I think one of them, non-point, got shamed out of doing it by another metal band. Okay. I, believe i'm I'm trying to because somebody somebody from another band quote tweeted them and then they were like oh we ain't playing that fucking thing you know right right (laughs) i I don't know man that that festival to me is like i think i posted online i i would you could pay me ten thousand dollars and i might like actually go to that concert (laughs) (laughs) fuck yeah it's pretty, it's, it's pretty wild, you know? Yeah. Um, They're not going to cancel it either. They just changed the name from Herd Immunity Festival back to right. now whatever like, it was before. We're going to cure COVID festival or whatever. Like they're going, they're, the, doing? they're going, I don't know, but that's their like, oh, that's how they're going like the opposite way, you know? They're yeah, just power. like, well, people didn't like it when it was called Herd Immunity, but what if we called it like God Saves the Children or something? Then people might be like, wow, this is important. Right. It's also sponsored by a radio station. Uh, I I find this thing fascinating and I don't think they're going to cancel it because I really do think like there's this push to get a concert in, you know, everybody wants to do a concert, but it's like, go to fucking Canada or like, no, Japan don't come here. Don't come to fucking, Canada. We don't uh, want, we don't Europe. want it here. We'll go somewhere where there's less people dying. We ain't got to do it here, you know. <laughs> yeah, but that's the whole point. We have less people dying here, so don't don't bring non-point. Don't come here and put on a show in Saskatoon. Just balance no it out. Needs it, you know. No, we, no we, we're good. We're fine. You know? No, just balance it out a little bit. It'll <laughs> it'll help. Uh, people don't want to hear us talk about this, though. Oh, they don't do you- care. Although I will say one funny thing before we wrap this uh, virus talk is that I found an article because obviously, you know, people who listen to the show know that uh, every month at the end of the episode, we look over some articles from the time period and um, the disturbed song down with the sickness uh, 
surged in sales due to the coronavirus. That's good for them. I, yeah, I mean, yeah. you would... down with the sickness actually charted. Uh, you know how in different in March it remade the charts because enough people were like, "Hey, that song has the word sickness in it." That's why it up. Realize how different that is, though. From like, if this was like a nine eleven thing, they would have like not. They would have been like, "We're not playing down with the sickness." Yeah, we're not playing any songs related to illness. They'd be like, yeah. "This is that's it. We can't play. We can't play any songs with illness in them." Um, there was that one uh, Antlers album, Hospice, that was just like about their friend dying of cancer. That album's off the shelves. We can't have any any. Taylor Swift wrote that song about her mom having cancer. That's that's canceled. Um, yeah, any any type of illness song would be over if it were nine eleven. That's true. Once once they put us in control of the music. We were like, we're fucking sick, man. You know, that was the same thing. <laughs> that was the same thing with the movies. You know, you would go on iTunes in March and it would be like the top movies were like contagion and stuff like that. Like it right, just right. shows how little they thought we could handle in the 90s, you know, like we just are in the late in the early 2000s because like let the bodies hit the floor isn't even like it doesn't even sound like something that would have anything to do with 9-11. It was like oh, actually some guy sitting in an office, right? That was just like, he heard those words and he was like, what if somebody like thought about the people that jumped out of the buildings? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. I think, I think part of the problem was that um, America was turning to, they, they, they were looking at it as like education, I think that was the, that's the, that's been the issue with Corona virus is people are like down with the sickness. Now, does that, is that going to tell me <laughs> what to do if I, if this gets really bad? Like, I feel like that's why movies like contagion. And there was like that other one. Um, wasn't there one just called pandemic or something that was on Netflix that went there like was- way up the charts or whatever. And I, I honestly feel like it's, it's almost like how you, how like uh, porn has like completely replaced sex ed. Now it's like, you don't even, you know, p- kids are like, you know, it, they're all they've already seen porn when they're 12 and they don't need to be told like, you know, they don't need to be taught sex ed anymore. It's like it's like that. It's like, well, we don't need to I don't need to listen to like a doctor or a scientist. Like I can just watch this two hour Matt Damon vehicle and learn all I need to know about coronavirus. You know, there was a fucking documentary called Coronavirus. As soon as it oh, happened, yeah. that was the freakiest thing, really. That was when I start becoming conspiracy guy. Like, well, how'd you have that done already? I mean, come <laughs> on. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're already like, you're a conspiracy guy anyway. I mean, like, I you're like, not, like you're not, but you, but you, but you're always looking for one that you could latch on to. It's always, always. I'm into 5G now. I'm really, oh, that's really. I love it. I, me and Brett actually found a, uh, it's like a, a jump drive, like a, uh, uh, storage, portable storage for a computer, right? And they're selling it as a thing that'll build a 5G force field around you for actually 26 <laughs> meters diameter around you. And Hell it's yeah. $700 for three of them. And it really is just a USB drive. <laughs> I mean, that's a pretty good, it's a pretty good deal. You get three of them. I mean, you protect the whole family for 700 bucks. I mean, what I mean you're, you with that? 
you would protect the whole block. And the thing is, like, I was trying to figure out how you use it, right? Because, like, you can't use a you, you can't carry your laptop everywhere, so you can have a USB drive plugged into it. <laughs> you know, but yeah, you're just always carrying a messenger bag, just with like the <laughs> the drive plugged in. But that's the genius thing about this drive is it doesn't even have to be plugged in. You just have to have it on you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's how USB drives work. That's how I always <laughs> that's how I've always got them to work. I just put them in my pocket and the files magically appear on my computer. It's just fucking great. Like, like I, I'm always into like the the conspiracy profiteers. It's one of my favorite like kinds oh, of yeah. people. You know, just somebody that's like everybody's flipped out about five G. I'm gonna make T-shirts and tell them that it keeps five G out. Oh yeah, of course. Because uh, yeah, it's so easy to just you just throw in a few buzzwords. Oh, it's uh, this T-shirt's made of uh, cyber mesh. <laughs> people are like oh fox i mean cyber mesh i mean we will we got to have that i mean my t-shirt just made of cotton so. we, somebody say oh, we got it i like the idea of no oh we gotta have that i mean that's the most important shit this yeah, whole, uh, sounds like it sounds so incredibly important uh um, yeah yeah i i think like if you tell people there's copper in something they'll fucking buy into it immediately right. that's yeah, the move. copper wire you know so it's like those are the you know that's the protected wire so we know that that science really should hold for everything i think yeah people fucking love copper man like i know that like people wear like copper bracelets right yeah and necklaces and stuff like that i should just sell copper you know we should sell copper that should be our new we'll just sell we'll sell copper bracelets and say like the pod cast on them or whatever or like yeah. keep on keep on rolling or you know something cool like that um speaking of this podcast it is a podcast where ostensibly we review new metal uh this month as i said off the top of the program we are reviewing disturbed the sickness and before i get to the album stats uh brian what was your uh you know your sort of general history with the band disturbed hated them actually was not a fan did not give them much of a chance though they were late arrivals right yeah this album like, came out in 2000 yeah so i'm i'm already into this shit for five years at that point and in 2000 shit had you know this is post follow the leader i believe this yep. is this is after significant other and it yeah. kind of felt like the wave was cresting and I didn't want to be perceived as liking the, the new popular stuff. <laughs> so right. I kind of avoided them, but I didn't see them live a bunch of times just by virtue of being at Ozfest. You know, I would go yeah, to Ozfest. It seemed like they played Ozfest like every year, basically. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they were there a lot and I got to see them and, uh, you know, I always liked, they're heavy covers, you know? Yeah. Like not I, sounds of silence is one of the funniest songs I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah. But it's I did, good. I did always like land of confusion. Like I always got really into it. I think I like it better than the original land of confusion. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I so, think some people say that about, about their covers, like about shout, which is on this album, which we'll get to. And, mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, I'm obviously people like sound of silence, not me, but, uh, cops, that's but, yeah, cop cops. Music. Yeah. That's a big, yeah. If you, you go on TikTok, if you go on TikTok, 
like you can find cops doing TikToks to the sounds of silence in their car. Uh, Seriously, like a non, like a large amount of cops, like the sounds of silence by David Draymond. Right. Because that's like, that's their, you know, that's their, that's as emotional as they'll allow themselves to get. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, I'm not. They're like, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to go all the way. I'm not going to listen to the original. I'm not going <laughs> to listen to like folk music. Like I'll listen to a folk song, but it's got to be sung by a guy with multiple facial piercings. <laughs> That's the only way it's going to work for me. You, know? you have to see, uh, uh, you have to be careful when you talk about the sounds of silence cover though, too, because like, like people will be inspired by it in really weird places, you know, where you're just like talking about it ironically. And then all of a sudden somebody's like, that song saved my life. Right. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, there's not really a lot you can say about that. Other than um, it's weird if that's the song that saved your life, but if it saved your life, then Hey, that's great. You know, right. what, you know, I, I think you're allowed to have levels to accepting songs as songs that save people's lives. I think I it's mean, okay the- to be like, Oh, maybe that song shouldn't have, that shouldn't be the song. You know, I think, I think one thing that is going to happen is in 20, to 30 years that's going to be like the funeral song that is like that oh, song yeah. mad world remember mad yes. world oh yeah of course <laughs> gary think... jewels you know it's always tears for fears somehow gets involved in this you know tears <laughs> for fears is just a little bit too fifi for cops and and like you know t- tough guys who think that wearing a mask makes you a pussy like that kind of guy you know yeah yeah so it it is like like uh uh with disturbed it's like they were radio music and i had already gotten to the point where i was like if it's on the radio i i can't with it i hate it you know i just didn't like anything that that i that they were playing on the radio i mean i was already like kind of turning on corn and stuff and, and limp biscuit at that time you know so yeah, I wasn't like a huge fan of them at all. This was kind of probably my second or third time listening to it in my life. Yeah. Yeah, I would say like um I just I want to make one more really good joke about the disturbed covers and then I'll talk about my history with disturbed. But to me, people who like the disturbed covers, it's like similar to like someone who would like order pad thai at Applebee's. Yes, they're like I really like Thai food, but like if there's a way I could eat it where I don't have to go into an Asian restaurant, it's like the same thing. It's like I actually like '80s music, but like if there's a way I can listen to it where I don't feel like listening to it makes me gay or whatever, like those people <laughs> think. I don't know. Like you know, it's a very weird uh, thing, but I do think that's why like bands like Disturbed and stuff get their why their covers get so popular. I think is that it's like, it's that kind of thing. Like it's not cool to listen to eighties music, but like they were fucking really good songs. They so want a slow, a they want a slow song, John. They want a slow yeah, quiet exactly. song. That's it. And they, they, but they, they don't want to seek it out. They want it on their disturbed album that they're already buying. They exactly. want it on disturbed seventh studio album that they're buying. I mean, as a person 
who hated all music that was soft until I was in my 30s, until I was like 30 years old or something. I uh, I, I identify with that because I remember right. I would be listening to songs and be like, oh, you know, uh, this would be nice if it was metal. Like anytime I heard like a, a song that I was kind of I, I always liked the uh, criminal by Fiona Apple, but I would never admit it. And I would just be like, I wish a metal band would cover that song, man. That'd be a sick metal song, though. I'll give you that would work. Sure. It would work for sure, especially a new metal band. Such a bass heavy song. It would be great. Totally. Yeah. Disturbed were even like, I don't want to say that they were late for me, but, but I, I do think like the point you made about the, the cresting wave is, is good. And I was going to say like disturbed is almost like new, new metal in like a weird way. Like to me, you had like corn and limp biscuit and like a few other, like a handful of bands, like that were scrapping it in like the late nineties, like, and now obviously Deftones and then, you know, Sepultura I think was like late nineties and, you know, you had a few coal chamber and you had a few bands kind of scrapping it around like 98, 99. And then it felt like the, it, there were, there was an appetite. We talked about this with Lincoln park, that there was like this appetite for new metal, but like more accessible, even though new metal was already like a more accessible version of metal. It was like bands like Lincoln park and disturbed for me were bands who were like, yeah, let's, let's make this even more accessible you know right and so disturbed. i think like sorry go ahead i mean disturbed is goofy right like Made i think that the issue that you come into with it is like when the very first thing you hear from a band is you're like okay like i don't think i can do this these guys aren't taking this seriously oh for sure yeah and that's that's it right like i think that um yeah i i think that for me, I, I remember hearing stupefy and I liked it. I remember having that on like a, on like a burn CD mixtape. Like I remember thinking like that was pretty good. And I don't even know why that would have been the first disturbed song I heard. Cause it's not, it wasn't one of the singles or anything. It was, I think it was oh, the first thing. Sing, oh, sing, was it? Signal. Yeah. Signal. It was the first. Was so oh yeah, you're right. It was the first single. Okay. I was sweet. so surprised at how many songs I already knew on this album yeah. because they, they release like every, it's like the Metallica black album. You know, yeah. there's only a few I had never heard, but yeah. So yeah, you're right. Stupefy was the first single. So I liked that. I thought that that was like cool. And then I was the same as you down at the sickness was the second single. And then the, you know, I was kind of like, oh, is this, what is this? This is not, it's not a real song. You know, right. they're, they're, you know, it's hard. It's, it's weird. Cause I don't really get it. Like I don't get like, like Jonathan Davis scatting is on its face, like very ridiculous. But for some reason it was like, you could buy it as being like kind of real or like coming from a real place. And for whatever reason, like this just isn't the same. Like it's uh, to me, like obviously or whatever became the meme, but like to me, the, like the, the, oh, oh, is like, that's worse. Like to me, that's a worse sound in a much worse, like it didn't make any, like that was the part of it that made no sense to me was the, you know, you got the, it's like, okay, whatever. That's sort of like, scatting it's kind of melodic it sort of follows the drum beat there's like an interview that i read for this where he said that it was just the drums were the most tribal thing he had ever heard oh my god that is, interview is the one yeah. i read you sent me one and said read this real quick and i read it and i was like this guy is 
incredible. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We're going to get to that article later. But um, yeah, but that's one of the quotes is he's like, oh, they just that, you know, I was jamming. We were jamming with the band. They were playing that like guitar based drum part. And I just thought this is the most tribal thing I've ever heard. And it just kind of came out. You know, and you're like, oh, man, like I just again, some of these new metal albums we review, it's like you get th- you, you, you're you like, how did this get through all these people? You know, like everyone else in the band had to be like that sick. And like the producer had to be like, dude, that sounds great. And the label had to be like, you know what? That should be a single like it just I don't understand how it makes it through all those steps personally. I mean. I got to say, like, listening to it now, I think some of that stuff makes sense to me in the context of the whole album, like kind of understanding what he was trying to do. It's like some of the noises and the ooh, ooh, and stuff like that. Like he was there, there, he was going for something that like, I don't think he's ultimately very successful at, but yeah, he's going for like a tribal, almost like, a uh, um, I don't know, like pagan thing, like yeah. uh, uh, and reggae, and he's like just mixing a lot of different things together, and I think that that's one of the things. But that's that's like one. It makes more sense when you hear it in context of the whole album than it does just hearing the song. But at the time, it was like we made fun of it all the time. The ooh, thing like we made fun of, of that was like a total turn off the first time we heard it you know yeah yeah of course that's that's the thing about it is is like when you're a metal fan and and you know new metal isn't immune to this like you do take the music almost too seriously to like something that you perceive to be goofy you know yeah i think that this is like probably younger kids who got into this like you know when this came out you would have been what 20 uh, oh, or yeah. even yeah yeah, older. yeah yeah i was 21 I think. yeah so you're like 21 and and so you know like i think maybe 13 or 14 year old kids like my i would have been 15 almost 16 when this came or no i guess i would have been 15 but it was just like I think if you were younger, then maybe you would that it wouldn't have hit you as goofy. Like maybe if you're like looking at getting into new metal at that time, it wouldn't have hit you in that way. But like I don't know, it's pretty fucking. It, even for me, being like 15 years old and only into new metal for like two years at that point, it it hit me as as very like stupid as well. Uh, it also hits me as cynical too. Like I think that's why I like it now you know is that like it the whole thing feels like engineered to be just a bunch of number one hits you know like for that time his voice is not he's screaming but he's not really screaming it's not an uncomfortable scream the guitars are as generic and as and kind of uh uh as new metal as you could possibly be that's they just are like the song sound exactly like what all the other bands sound like it sounds like like an amalgamation of all the other bands and his his vocals are are inoffensive and uh it just seems engineered to make hits and i think that's something that probably uh uh, i appreciate a little bit more now in 2020 because it's cynical and it's funny but like back then it was just i think i sniffed out that inauthenticity and immediately right. was like, this fucking sucks, you know? 
Yeah, no, that makes sense for sure. I think everything, uh, yeah, it definitely, I mean, even like calling your band disturbed, right? Yep. Like, like even that, you know, comes across as, a, as like kind of, kind of blatant, but, uh, we'll get into the album facts here. So this is obviously the sickness by disturbed. It came out on March 7th of 2000 and, uh, it peaked at number 29 on the U S billboard 200. However, it spent a total of 103 weeks on the chart. Um, it was the only disturbed album to not hit number one on the U S billboard 200, uh, until their seventh album. So this album kind of laid the groundwork the next five after this all hit number one on the billboard charts. And uh, as of 2018, the album has sold over 5 million copies. It's been certified five times platinum in America. It's also been certified gold in Australia, the UK and Canada. So sorry, it's actually gone platinum in Australia and Canada and gold in the UK. It's fucking wild. How, I mean, it, it is this is mainstream like music you know Big but time. again as i was saying that with the like being able to sniff out the authenticity it also does feel like it feels like if you did american idol for a heavy metal band you know this is what you would yeah. come up with this this is they feel like and they feel like total industry plants you know right. and uh, uh the music it just really is like it feels like it was written by a computer i guess <laughs> well yeah it is interesting in, in that like the one thing that i think is interesting about the band um is the is the vocal delivery because he's like rapping on most of the songs but like not rapping like he has this kind of way of like singing it where it doesn't feel exactly like rapping even though that's kind of the cadence so like even on stupefy but in like all the songs he has all that kind of like like that's on so many of the songs it's like very staccato vocals where he like he'll run these like patterns and he like chops up words if a word is three syllables, you're going to hear all three of those syllables very clearly. They're going to be like one beat of everything. Like it's not just down to the sickness. It's not just stupefy. It's like all the songs on the record have that kind of vocal trick where it's like, it's almost like the vocals are acting as like another drum kit in a way, or like they're kind of mimicking what the drums and bass are doing. And I think that would be interesting if it wasn't on every single song. Yeah. When you listen, but when you listen to this record, like, I still think Stupefy is a really good song. Like, listening to this, I was like, still, like, I feel like that's a really, to me, it's got just a really solid beat. It's really cool. I remembered most of the words, even though I haven't heard it in, like, 15 years. But then it's just, like, every single song, it's the, it's the exact same thing. It's just, like, a kind of, like, rising, rise and fall in the drums and the guitar work. And he's just like following along. Like, it's just, that's the whole thing. I mean, even what you said about like, he's rapping, but he's not really rapping seems like a, a calculated decision. Cause at that For time sure. in 2000, it was like all these rap rock guys. And he was like, you know, they, they all knew it wasn't going to last forever. I don't think anybody in that scene expected it to last forever you know oh and, yeah for sure and it took 
the people that ended up lasting forever were the people who had a more business oriented uh, uh, way of thinking, I think. And he feels like a very business oriented person, you know? Well, but even like corn, right? Like if you look at corn, like how many albums do they have where they just tried something totally different? Like they have an EDM album, they have an industrial album. They have like, you know, I mean, obviously a lot of them still kind of sound similar, but like even kind of the, you know, the most, uh, you know, the most popular band of this genre and the longest, the band with the most longevity was still reinventing themselves like all the way along. Cause even they were like, well, no one's going to listen to this forever. You know, John, John Davis heard like a Skrillex record and he's like, okay, well, that's where music is going. So we got, <laughs> we got to follow it. I mean, he was wrong, but it's just like, yeah, it's just like that kind of thing is, is for sure. Like people knew that it wasn't going to last. And I think for disturbed, they kind of found that like, this is new metal. Everything else to me that they've done is new metal as well but they did it in a way that was just like, it's, it, it's almost like it's all, they're almost like the Nickelback of new metal in the sense that like Nickelback took like alternative slash hard rock and found a way to make it poppy where you feel like you're rocking out, but it's like very blatant <laughs> pop songs. And it's like kind of the same with disturbed. It's like, Disturbed is like the band you love when you think you like heavy music, but like you don't really like you really like pop music, but you just but you need it delivered in this in this package. It's like heavy metal that they could play on the 4th of July mixtape sort of thing, which I know it, it just some it's heavy metal. They can play at a time where everybody's together, you know, totally. uh, uh, at a baseball game. Like they could play down yes. with the sickness at a baseball game and, and everybody in the place. Yeah. would yeah. get excited. And I think the music was made in order to do that. Like I, I feel I, I just, it, it's just, it's a, it's perfectly done, I guess. Like there is something to For them sure. writing maybe perfect songs, but uh, yeah. I don't like perfect songs. So, <laughs> Yeah, no, it does, you know, and I think that's part of like what you feel from his vocal performance, like because his vocal performance is like it's like he's on like a strict metronome as well. So it feels even almost more engineered because it's like the vocals are so directly mimicking what the music is doing, like the melodies are so you know, like even like I'm just thinking about Stupefy, which I like I said, I do like. But even the even the chorus where he's just like he he says the lines in the chorus in like a way that like no one would talk like that. Like if you just he's like he's like, see, but I don't get it. Don't you think maybe we could put it on credit? Like no one sings like that. Like he it, it's so overpronounced every hard syllable don't you think it can take control when I don't let it like there's not there's no feel there's no soul to the music no. in that way right like it's so it's like the vocals are just another instrument that's playing to a click track like it's all you can hear that like that like in all of the lyrics and everything like it's just 
that's the part that really gets me. It's like, I heard good, like some decent songs on here. And I think that it's, it wasn't painful to listen to because it is like so well produced and well engineered that you're like, okay, yeah, like this is fine. Like you never hate it. I never hated it when it was on, but you're also like, you're also like, how, how is this so popular? Like how did so many people decide like, okay, yeah, this is, this is what I want. I, yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's a really good point. I I just think this is, it's like Disney, Disney, uh, uh, musical. Like if they did high school musical, heavy metal, this is the music that would be in it. And his voice, uh, does like the, the way that he sings, uh, does a disservice to the heaviness of this album too. Yeah. Like where nothing sounds heavy. None of this, like there are songs by Deftones that are like quiet songs where Chino screams in it and it sounds heavy as fucking heavier than anything on this album. Nothing sounds heavy. And, and I think it's from what you're describing. It's like the vocals just fit right there. And with the music that almost all kind of sounds the same, they make all the same sounds and all the songs. It like, it really feels like, they they figured out one song and then they were like, how can we make this nine times so that we can sell it? Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. And it's just like, it, it is funny to me. Like I was saying this to Dan before we started recording, like it feels too, like, it's funny. You said that this sounds like cop music and someone actually like tweeted that at us today too. Um, saying that like disturbed is like super cop music. And it is in a way like every song feels like, he's like fighting something there's like, it's like, he's against something in every song, you know, like if you just look down the track list, it's like, you know, it's like, Oh, fear. Like the song fear is literally just him being like, you know, we got to fight fear. You know? Yeah. And then like songs set like numb the song after that, it's like, I've been fighting so long. I feel fucked up, you know, <laughs> like, and then there's even a song just called conflict. Like it's a like to me, it just seems like every song he's doing is against some like invisible enemy, and it's like very funny where um, that that uh, Billboard interview where it, it was like uh, it's a twenty year retrospective which we end up doing a lot on this podcast. Uh, it's a it was done by Billboard dot com, and he even it's funny where he talks about um, down at the sickness and he's like. Uh, you know, it's really interesting because he, he even admits that like, there's not really like, like what he's saying is not even anything that really happened to him. You know, like it's, it's almost like, it's almost like the antithesis of corn, right? Like, like I think John Davis would sing about these very personal experiences that were very raw and very real. And he was like abused as a child and whatever. And he talks about that. And it's like a lot of people who listen to corn were not abused as children, but they could take something out of that. So they could be like, okay, he felt like, you know, adults were against him or he felt alone or whatever. It's like, he was giving you the very personal experience and you could take out of that experience what you wanted and disturbed feels like, he's just singing about a generic experience and then you put your own experience on top of it. So it's like, instead of taking something away from it, it's almost like you're, you're putting something onto it. Cause he says here, he's like, he's talking about the, 
the uh, down with the sickness because down with the sickness has that kind of like bridge part of like spoken word and he talks about how the radio ended up editing out that part but that the album version is the album version and that's the version we play live every time we play it and that's the one the fans know and love quote mommy don't do it again i promise they scream along with it the tragic part is just how that little section ends up making my poor sweet mother feel it's not like my mom actually beat the hell out of me when I was a kid. The whole thing is an analogy, and a lot of people have used it as direct interpretation for their own cathartic purposes, and so be it. I love that, but it's not what I wrote it as. And it's like, but then what were you right? Like you're you're trying to say that it that this thing happened, but it didn't really. So you're just like trying to like you're and that's the most specific example like most of the songs as i say it just seems like he's kind of like fighting some invisible enemy and you can just like decide how you want to interpret that enemy to be or whatever that's a specific you're right it, this what we're talking about though is a specific thing that he wrote about you, you know like with the mom thing yes um uh uh yeah i i mean the the thing that i found in that article that I think was the most interesting to me is when he talks about the bands that he was in before because they are all they're like he talked about yeah you know I was in bands that were a lot more like like uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers and stuff which to me their song those guys songs have always been sort of corny party rock music too you know and uh, I think this is like party rock. You could play disturbed at a party. You know, I've been having this like discussion over a period of time with uh, like online and, and just in my, in my everyday life, me and Brett talk about it a lot. And it's like, what uh, uh, kind of rock music can you play at a party that, that like people aren't going to get mad, but what kind of metal, like hard right. rock music. Right. And like, you can't play corn at a party, you know, no, no, it just, not. it's that people would hate it and people, but you can play Rob zombie at a party and people would go fucking nuts for it. Yeah. Because and, Dragula is such a fun song to like sing and bounce around to. Right. And so I really think you could play any of the singles off of this album at a party and elicit like a really good reaction from people. Yeah, because the, sorry, go ahead. No, that, that it's fine. Uh, uh, I just I think you could elicit a good reaction from people because it's music that doesn't have any deep. There's nothing deep about this music. This is chili pepper music. This is like fucking uh uh, uh fuck you know any of them. I can't think of a single Red Hot Chili Pepper song right now. <laughs> Oh, there's there's lots. There's, there's like tons scar, of them. scar tissue, other side, uh, Californication. You know. Yeah, yeah. Suck those my ki- suck my kiss. Give it away under the give bridge. it away. There you go. Give it away. Like that song's like not about anything, and probably really a perfect illustration of what I'm getting at. Because I think like if you look at how Anthony Kiedis sings and give it away and you compared that to how David Draymond sings in, in stupefy or voices, then it's the same fucking thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. I think too, like all of these songs are just like, 
in four four time and there's like there's almost like a dance ability to some of the songs like if you even if you think about like down with the sickness like you could imagine like grinding to that song you know because it, it has that like very simple like like you can dance to that there's enough there that like yeah if it came on at a party you know you'd kind of maybe be more like moshing around or bouncing around but like if you were like, if you wanted to, you can, you can get it onto that or you can grind it out to that. Like I would, I'm, I wouldn't personally. Okay. It's not something well, that I, I don't be believe that. Do. I, I think hey, listen, it's, 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 like, it didn't I wasn't in my, didn't happen in my lifetime, but I'm just saying like, I agree with what you're saying though, that there's, there's like, there's a simplicity and a directness to the music and, and like almost, yeah. Kind of like a rap a rap sensibility of like, you know, it all being in four, four time and, and the vocals kind of just following the music that, that does make it more party-ish than your, yeah. than your corns, uh, and your, your limp biscuits and such. Although limp biscuit had a few songs you could probably get a, get going to. I also don't think that's a, I don't know if I'm saying that's like a bad thing. No, I'm I mean, saying, I'm not saying it is either. I'm just saying I don't want to, I don't want the listeners to imagine me grinding to down with the sickness. That's more what I was getting at. No, they, they are going to do that now. You <laughs> now put it in their head twice. I'm going to do that when I go to bed. And then the fucking problem is I've met you and Becca and you're very nice people. And I don't want to imagine that. <laughs> that's fair i i understand that <laughs> i i respect it um but so, but yeah it, it's it's i mean in the end like this this could have been written by a computer i think written and performed by a computer and uh probably would have got about the same fucking songs if you just popped in you know like it, it seems like something you could just type in uh, reggae, uh, hip hop, uh, heavy metal, and uh, 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 red hot chili peppers, and you would like have disturbed. That's like <laughs> what they are. Totally. Yeah. No, for sure, for sure. And I think, like, like we've said, it 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 does feel a little bit cynical in that it it feels it feels poppy and it feels um, directed at a at a group in a way that. I think bands like corn and limp biscuit weren't really like pardon me to me, corn and limp biscuit particularly got successful, like in spite of what they were doing. Like, I don't think corn wrote their self-titled record and thought we're going to be one of the biggest bands on the planet. Um, it was like, they just did what they were doing and people liked it and they got popular. Whereas bands like disturbed and, and Lincoln park, although I think Lincoln park is a good band, but, I think there's an, there's an element of, okay, shit, these bands got really fucking popular. How can, how can we do what they're doing and get more popular? Right. Yeah. And, and I, I mean, think it, that that's the issue I think I have with this is that, and it's all the songs sounding the same too. Like, I mean, you listen to any corn record, um, you know, or any Deftones record or even Limp Biscuit. Like there's a lot of different song styles and a lot of different things going on. And this album has none of that. It's like you put this on in the background and you would have no idea when songs start and finish. <laughs> yeah. It's got a very puddle of bug quality in that department yes. where it was just like, fuck, am I listening to like the same song over and over again? You know, uh, uh, also uh, 
you know what you were, what we were saying about like what I was saying about like where they could play this music. The reason I I got to thinking about that is because uh, uh, I heard the story. Uh, I it was Brett that told me about it. Got me listening to the album. But Megadeth has a song called "Crush 'Em" that was written in the studio. He like got somebody he got like a big producer he traveled to nashville and he got him to put this song to you know he got a song written and put together and it was engineered he wanted it to be played at hockey games like that was his fucking goal so he wrote this sports song this song that you know you know what sports people like and i think disturbed (laughs) is like sports people music you know yeah for sure you could this is on a jock jams for sure this is down with the sickness has got to be on a jock jams somewhere there's no question yeah it's because i think i love sports it's even the like it's even the cover too you know for me like when you put a cover on your debut album and it's like you know you're doing that classic like let's take a new wave song and make it and make it you know metal like to me it's like fuck you know, it just that's so blatant to me as well. It's um, a hit. Yeah, shout, that is shout two thousand. Yeah, yeah, it's a guaranteed hit. Like Especially back- them calling it shout two thousand. That's like, bad. Yeah, yeah, so bad. Like, oh, this is the this is the Y two K version. Although I will say, um, there are two lyrical moments on this record that are two of my favorite new metal lyrics of all time. Uh, the first one is in shout where they sing the line you're as cold as ice um and in the background david draymond just goes ice ice baby yeah i love that too <laughs> and I love it's that like too. i just it's so fucking stupid it just goes along with the whole like ooh wah, thing like it to me that is like the same shit it's like the same thing where it just like yeah just people hey that's like a, th- a thing people liked i'll just uh, ice ice baby like oh it's so good uh the other lyric i particularly love uh is also in stupefy which i do think is a good song but he says the line because he's trying to get everybody pumped up you know so he says all the people in the left wing rock and all the people in the right wing rock and then he says and all me gente in the barrio (laughs) rock yeah that is is the least spanish person on earth that's uncomfortable that part is a little bit uncomfortable to me but you know what if it sold him 10 more albums you know, let him and his hente in the barrio have a good time, okay? To me, though, it it does come across a little bit as like, as like, while well, I can't say the n word, yes. but I can say mi hente, so I'll say that instead. It does, it does. I didn't even consider that. I I got to tell you, my something we talk about or have talked about on this show, maybe even from like the episode two maybe even episode one is like really the songs that start albums song order right yeah and uh i do think that this is one of the great for this album has one of the great first songs in the the genre because 
I just love it when he goes, I'm going to talk about some freaky shit now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like he's preparing you for this album where he's going to talk about some freaky shit, but it also comes off like a really not funny guy at a party telling you a joke. Oh, you know, yeah. uh, I'm a sick like the most serious person on earth. <laughs> yeah. It comes off like a guy that, that is like a sick puppy. It's like, oh, you're a comedian. Oh, I'm a pretty sick motherfucker myself. And then they start like telling you jokes. That's what I'm going to talk about. Some freaky shit now makes me feel. And it, it and that's a good feeling to me because I very much like un- discomfort a lot. Well, it was funny, too. Like I was trying to read. So this is just like because this really comes out as like e- like everything about this band is so over the top. And so this is like, this is a great kind of like, you know, sort of wraps this up in a way like, because he, cause again, you can't like, these are the thing like about the, like, I'm going to talk about some freaky shit now. Like that is so stupid and over the line. And then like this too is so, so I was trying to remember like what songs were on their second album. Cause I could, I couldn't remember like what the other, like, popular songs they had were so i was looking at their second album which is believe and it says and this is like obviously this is a sad story but it's like just the way it's delivered makes you feel like david draymond must be the most serious person on earth because it's like or he's that's at least what he's trying to present because it says so this is the so this uh, believe came out in 2002 and they they recorded they recorded it in the fall of 2002 or sorry it was recorded in spring of 2002 came out in the fall and in 2001, when they were like kind of writing some of the songs, it said uh, that summer, uh, vocalist David Draymond's grandfather, an Orthodox Jew, died in Israel. At a young age, Draymond was beloved by his grandfather. However, when Draymond became a heavy metal musician, Elder cut off their communication. It was not until the grandfather fell ill that he wished to see his grandson. But by the time word got to Draymond, who was on Ozfest, his grandfather had mere hours to live. Regarding his grandfather's death, he noted, no one could look at the aura I projected over the course of that next week and not feel my pain. And those feelings very definitely will present themselves on the record. Oh, my God. Oh, man, this guy fucking rules, man. (laughs) (laughs) does he have a book i need to see if he has because he's gotta have a book well in every interview you read he talks about how smart he is so i'm sure he probably has a book uh i only looked at like three interviews and in all of them he talks about how how he was crazy smart yeah yeah how he's he he was a dual major triple major he was a triple triple major. major In another interview, he said that he had a 3.75 GPA and that he scored over 1,400 on his SATs. He makes repeated mention of how he went to Loyola University. So, I mean, if he doesn't have a book yet, I mean, he's going to have a book, man. He doesn't. He doesn't have one. It sucks. It's coming. They got the date and it's going to be serious. Oh, my God. Yeah, because, I mean, that Billboard interview is, is truly a piece of art. Like, everything I read in that thing was like every sentence that that every time the next sentence would come i'd be like what is he gonna fuck it it was so exciting when they asked him about his guilty pleasures it was fucking mind-blowingly great like it just made me so happy his answer okay we'll get we'll we'll get to the article momentarily before we leave the album talk 
Um, I just know that you wanted to talk specifically about dropping plates. So it's just so the let's, best so let's talk about dropping plates. <laughs> it's just like the best song that's ever been made, really. <laughs> and uh, uh, it's the best new metal song, and it truly captures the spirit of new metal. Like, and you know, when you say that all of these songs sound the same, you are right. But this is the song that shakes you out of that. Yeah, you know, second last song on the record. I love to be shaken out of my stupor before just before the record ends. Yeah. And I think I don't know what dropping plates means. I think it's a weightlifting song. No, it's not even. It would make more sense if it was. I believe he's talking about putting records on a turntable. No, no, that's that can't be. I thought it was for no, like, I think that's what he's in doing. the gym. No, I don't. I think he's literally talking about like our record's going to be so good, we're going to be like dropping plates on you. Because because even if you look at the lyrics, he's talking about music, right? Because he says, "Ha, well, here we go again. Get up, a little something for your ear hole. Ugh, Get up, ugh. a little something for your ear hole." It's like, oh, that's. Oh, <laughs> I got so uncomfortable. There's two times where I got really uncomfortable, and a little something for your ear hole was one, and the other one was a uh, bring the violence is significant, and I was like, oh. Dude, yeah, there's a lot going up. on here. He, he also he loves to talk about that in interviews too. He loves no. to talk about how he's been in lots of fights. That's like his big. He loves just. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was in a lot of fights though. Mm-hmm. He I'm seems like fighter. the type of guy that like would talk about how many fights he got in, and then would get his ass kicked by like uh, AFI's bodyguard or something. I mean, <laughs> like, the, the, like an fest. The facial piercing yeah. seems. To me, like it would be an indication that he doesn't get in a lot of fights. Yeah, because you'd I would assume you get punched in those once and all your teeth get knocked out and you're but again, he he probably got that when he figured out he was in a heavy metal band. You know, the facial piercing was he probably didn't have one. And then he went and did this this audition, and these guys like played metal and he decided he was going to be in a metal band. He was like, Oh, I got to get a heavy metal thing going. I got to get a more yeah. heavy metal look. You yeah. Know? He probably didn't have those when he was auditioning for the red hot chili peppers style bands. No, no. Bring the violence is significant. <laughs> Very uncomfortable. He does like a, a patois when he, when he wants it. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like the whole fact that like the the final chorus of the song is like one minute long and it's just over and over. Here I come, I'm dropping plates on your ass. Well, here I come, I'm dropping plates on your ass. Bitch. Plates it's on a, your here ass. I come, bitch. I'm yeah, plates on your ass, bitch. I'm talking about recognition. It's it is it's funny because these guys all this was another thing about this song that that was really great to me that made it really great it's like we, we read interviews by these bands all the time like all these different bands we read the interviews in 2020 2019 that they did uh that they've done now and all of them like to explain to you how well we never rapped we never called ourselves rap and disturbed is not an exception to that they say we weren't new metal we don't rap so you can't call us new metal. And then I finally hear this album and it's like, 
motherfucker this is a rap song it's a bad rap song it's like i i yeah. like i said i thought it was a working out rap song it was just something <laughs> to get you fucking dropping plates up. on my on my bench press that's what i thought it was i thought it was dropping plates I, you know but like or, i said that would make more sense almost like given disturbs target audience it would make more sense that they were like going for like UFC theme song with this. Like true. We're just, we're just dropping plates, baby. We're getting, we're getting jacked up. My feeling about disturbed is they weren't going for any specific audience. They were going for whoever would listen to. Them. Yeah, no, for sure. This was a scatter shot. This is a scatter shot approach. Yeah. They were, they were like, well, we'll write some, you know, jock jams, some sicko songs, you know, will really yeah. get weird. I mean, yeah, because there's one song called Violence Fetish, which like it's not even really about that, but it's they're just like, yeah, we'll just call it that. And then, like, you know, if someone has like a fetish for this shit, like whatever, there you go. I also dig, uh, uh, it's something we got to talk about on this show because it's something that came up a lot when I was talking about doing this show online is the the uh down with the sickness the the breakdown in the middle of that song that yeah, is not well, on vinyl or not on the record not on the, uh uh they didn't play that on the radio it's only on yeah streaming. it's only on the album which is which you know was that quote that i read where <clears throat> where he says that he uh yeah that he they always play it that way live, but radio would never have that that middle part in it. Actually, nobody likes that either. That's no, that's it's the only so reason it's stupid. <laughs> it's really awkward. It's it's very um, it's very godsmacky. It's very godsmacky to have kind of like a like an ominous drum and bass breakdown in the middle of a song with some kind of like spoken word shit. It's also very uh, um. Hey, you know that song where you know how corn at the end of every album, like they cry or have like an emotional moment? We got to get one of those too. It feels like he's shooting for an emotional moment there, you know? Yeah, totally. It doesn't work. Yeah. It just feels uncomfortable. It feels like sexual, you know? <laughs> well, yeah, because it so we can read the lyrics are no, mommy, don't do it again. Don't do it again. I'll be a good boy. I'll be a good boy. I promise. No, mommy, don't hit me. Why did you have to hit me like that, mommy? Don't do it. You're hurting me. Why did you have to be such a bitch? Why don't you just fuck off and die? Why don't you? Why can't you just fuck off and die? Why can't you just leave here and die? Never stick your hand in my face again, bitch. Fuck you. I don't need this shit. You stupid, sadistic, sadistic, abusive fucking whore. How would you like to see how it feels, mommy? Here it comes. Get ready to die. Ooh, and like, he it literally follows that. it with that. He, he, ah, God, I got to tell you, like, that feels made to just go in the daddy slot when we need a yeah. daddy song. You know what I You're mean? Right. But we can't write a daddy song. We have to write a, because if we write a daddy song, that's, you know, that's Jonathan Davis's off. territory. Yeah. So let's so make it mommy. Mom. Yeah. Well, especially when he admits like, yeah, my mom never beat me or anything. Yep. It's like, well, so, okay. So then what? Like it wasn't, it was kind of like an analogy, an analogy to what? I mean, it's very specific. <laughs> You know, it doesn't like it doesn't make any sense. It'd be like if a baseball player was like, "Yeah, I hit a home run last night to like a girl at the bar," and then she's like, 
oh, you hit a home run last night. He's like, well, no, like it's an analogy. Like, yeah, I'm a baseball player, but like, it's just, I didn't actually do it. It's just an analogy. Like I had a good game. So I like kind of hit a home run. You know? <laughs> it, like, it doesn't funny. make any sense. Like, oh man. It's, you're it's, totally right too. It is a very much like uh, uh why? I mean, first of all, why tell people it didn't happen other than to like vindicate your mom, you know? Yeah, exactly. But oh, then my poor like, sweet little mom. Don't write it then, dude. Nobody made you make up a scenario in your mind where your mom's beating you up. And and it makes you wonder like what again, what is the analogy there? It's so highly specific. He's yeah. actually saying if it was listen, if it was no mommy, please, you know, you're such a fucking bitch and stuff like that. That's I guess whatever. You know what I mean? That's that can be an analogy, but he's saying, stop hitting me. You're hitting me. So yeah, he's put like the stick telling down. a story. Yeah. Yeah. Take the stick out of your hand and put it down. Yeah. He's it's telling so the far. whole fucking story. And, and he's I like, agree. Yeah, I, I agree too. Like this guy obviously has like a lot of weird sexual energy. Like, like a lot of the, a lot of the songs and the lyrics feel very sexual. Um, and you know, we kind of got that backed up on the last episode when Fallon Bowman from Kitty talked about touring with Disturbed and them buying like 40 dildos and throwing it at them on stage. Uh, but like, I agree, it, like, it starts out almost kind of sexual where it's like, oh no, mommy, don't do it again. I'll be a good boy. Like, that's very sexual. But then it, when it starts, so then even then you could say, like, okay, maybe it's like an analogy, like his mom was actually abusive, or maybe it's like a sexual analogy, like maybe getting down with the sickness is like fucking, like that kind of would make sense. But then it gets so specific that it just can't be about anything else other than his mom hitting him with fists and a stick. Yes. And then to be like, my oh, my mom never hit me. So like, I, but he's like, it's kind of crazy. Like, you know, people who came from abusive childhoods, like really took that literally. Like, well, yeah, no shit, dumbass. You literally say the words. That's yeah. why. That's why they took it literally. You were like, oh, my mom was abusive. A kid who did get beaten probably did find some solace in this because they were like, oh, wow, like you got beat too. So it's almost like a slap in the, it's almost like it, like insulting to the people who, who did actually find some truth in those lyrics for him to come out and be like, well, that wasn't. I mean, yeah, if you if, if that helped you with your abusive parents, like that's cool. But like my parents are actually super nice. My mom's actually really nice. So, yeah, the only thing I can say in his sort of defense is none of this album feels cathartic. It all feels put on, you know, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like, well, I guess we shouldn't expect it to have been true. You know, like it doesn't have right. to be true. This, But then that makes that part of the song seem out of place. It also is a very stupid. It's just a stupid part of a song. It sucks. It is. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And I think that he might even know that it sucks. I but think he, he would have to. Yeah. But he's like, we can't like not play it. You know? He even says he's like, oh, like people kind of sing along with it. Like it's almost like, you know. Like, I don't think like if corn played daddy live, I don't think I'd be like in the crowd, like singing along, like having a great time, you know, like, I think you'd be like, whoa, they're playing daddy. Like, this is heavy. You'd like watch it like, oh, man, this is crazy. Whereas like 
with that, he's almost saying like, yeah, the, you know, whatever. The crowd just sings a lot like, oh, don't fucking beat me, mom. Or whatever. It's yeah. just like, ha everyone's just having a great time. Like, it's fun. You know, it's like, okay, well. A truly, truly strange piece of this album. Just yeah. really uh, uh, doesn't match anything. Isn't true. Is totally unnecessary for your enjoyment of the song. And I would say even takes away enjoyment of a song that's kind of fun you know yeah for sure well that's the other thing too is like the song is deeply silly it has like the deeply silly parts to it and even just the lyrics of like get up come on you down with the sickness like it's like what is that even what are we talking about like that is like a jock jam basically you're saying like yeah i'm down with the sick like this song is sick i'm down like whatever it just yeah it's very incongruous with the rest of the it's for the, the mosh pit. It's for the mosh pit. It's so you can look at each other because people love to be sick and like sarcastic and freaks and and you know you know people love to put on a shirt that says you know like I'm a sick motherfucker you know I'm a <laughs> sick yeah. fucking piece of shit on the front of their shirt uh, and uh, that's what this this song is but then it gets to a point where it's like wait this is like now this feels like an emotional moment. You know, and yeah, it feels like I need to treat this with some gravity. <laughs> yeah, but it's unearned. It's like an unearned emotional moment. You know, it's like the like when Corn has those moments. Like I think for some people listening to Corn, those elements would be super corny. For not no pun intended, but like I do think if you're not that into Corn and you heard Daddy, you would be like, "This is ridiculous! Like what? This is the stupidest thing I've ever heard." But then like, but if you like Corn and you've listened to the whole album and then Daddy comes on, it feels like an earned finish to the album where you're like, okay, yeah, like this guy's clearly like gone through some shit. This album's really emotional and heavy and there's lots of songs that kind of lead up to this point. There's Clown and Faget and songs that like really like kind of drive this point home. So when he gets to it, it feels really earned. Whereas this song is like the fourth song on the record. It's on a song where the guy's <laughs> literally going, Ooh, ah, ah, ah. Uh, and then you're supposed to like take it seriously. It's like, you haven't done anything where I'm supposed to believe that like, you know, you went through this like emotional trauma. Like this is boring. Like this is boring. This isn't, I don't know. Yeah, it, it's, it's like very... a Quentin Tarantino movie, but not good. You know, yeah. it's yeah. just edge lord shit. You know, yeah, and, uh, that's true. Uh, it's really, it's really strange, and it, it doesn't match anything. And it it reeks of a guy that thinks he's like super deep, and which he does. And yeah, exactly. uh, uh, <laughs> so, it, it, yeah, it just reeks of a guy who thinks he's really deep and uh, isn't is not a particularly smart guy. <laughs> no, that's for sure. Well, let's uh speaking of that, like let's get to this interview. So this is the uh, uh this is uh Disturbs David Draymond talks 20 years of the sickness and how his band never stopped climbing and this is from Billboard uh and this interview is actually from March 5th of this year uh of 2020. So it was like literally the week of the 20th anniversary of this record. And uh, yeah, Brian, you seem to hate this one a lot. Were some things that you uh, that you took out of here that you that you didn't like? Um, let me think. Uh, uh, let me get it up. Let me get it up okay. real quick. I'm sorry, I just got. I will paid. say like, oh yeah, nice, <laughs> hell yeah, dude, get that money, baby, get that money. Um, I just, it, 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 it caught me off guard there, but uh, let me get the interview up. 
Yeah, get it up. I do like uh, the, the right away. You can tell he's like just takes himself like his he he. It's not even that he takes himself seriously, but that he wants to appear that he takes himself seriously because the first story. Uh, like they just ask the basic question of like how disturbed came together. And the answer is like five paragraphs long. Yes. And, and in that answer, he says like, Oh, I tried out for like a bunch of bands and they were all just like cover bands. And I didn't want to play covers. Like I wanted to be in a band that played originals. And so I just auditioned and auditioned. And finally this band, like I met with them and they agreed to play original songs with me. And then it was like, just it hit instantly. Like right away. It was so cool. And it was like, great you know what i i'm bringing this up as a guy that has been working with a guy for for almost a decade now you know that is is known for being a part of a team right me like i'm known for being like a part of this team and and i do this this thing that a lot of people were inspired to do other stuff from so i i get interviews and we do interviews right and like invariably in these interviews they ask how we got together and how we started working together. <laughs> and uh, uh, we basically have a story that we tell, you know, like you just, you kind of distill, you know, four years of leading up to something into like a, you know, a two minute story. But like, we try to put interesting stuff in it. That is like uh, that, that, that uh might catch people off guard might be just funny to somebody uh this story had none of it none just not a single interesting or funny or or cool part of his story of how disturbed became a band it was really i read an ad in a newspaper i went and then i wrote a song in five minutes yeah and it and and it made the record that was the whole like oh yeah we just like yeah the first song we ever wrote we obviously had like he calls it very blatant chemistry which i don't think that's the right but he's like we had very blatant chemistry right from the beginning and yeah that like song that i jammed with them the first practice was like on the record so yeah we just fucking nailed it right away you know and it's like oh my god dude yeah like yeah you're exactly right like that's the thing it's like it's just it's almost impossible to picture him laughing. Like if you try and like picture David Draymond in your head laughing, it's just like, that's the part that you're just like, well, he's probably never laughed in his life. This guy seems like he hates everything. Good question. I got a question for you now, John, this is this, you just got me into a spot where I got one of my famous questions for you. Okay. All right. You rather, would you rather hang out? backstage at a disturbed concert or a pod concert oh (laughs) (laughs) because the 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 reason that's such a great question is because it feels like it feels like the opposite ends of the spectrum where it'd be like disturbed would be trying too hard to be serious and pod would be trying too hard to like be chill Yeah, right. So like, so like disturb, you'd be backstage at a disturbed show and, and you'd like go into the green room and it would be like all curtained off black curtains. The lights are out. The room's only lit by like medieval style candles. David Draymond's like meditating in the corner. The food's all fucking weird. Uh, you know, there's like these weird kind of like suicide girl looking groupies kind of around like, so you, you'd almost feel like you're walking into like a coven or something. And then Red POD wine. would be like, 
Yeah, red wine. Big gotta, red wine vibe. Like an expensive great. red wine. Yes. <laughs> great call. Great call. Charcuterie <laughs> only on the rider for disturbed. Whereas like POD would be like, man, we don't even use our green room. Like, just come on our converted school bus in the back of the stadium. We're fucking grilling dogs, man. Let's fucking hang out. Let's get ripped and like just play hacky sack in the parking lot. And like, yeah, we got to play in like an hour, but whatever. So like both of those vibes are deeply upsetting to me. Um, but I think I'd have to go POD. I think I would not be able to handle the self-seriousness. Like, I think there's just like an element where I think I've hung out with more guys that are like POD than guys that are like disturbed. See, I, I think I go the opposite way here where I am like a dude that like, if I was backstage at a disturbed show and this is just a guess for me, he's a dipshit. I think he's a dumb guy that really thinks he's smart, but for some reason I love guys that are really dumb and think they're really smart. Right. And uh, 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 I could party with him. You know what I mean? So you, you get yourself kind of lit up a little bit because that's not happening backstage at a POD concert, right? Like people aren't getting, they're getting lit up on the Lord or maybe like telling jokes. Like they're like, sometimes man, we'll just drink a lot of Cokes and then we'll just go crazy telling jokes to each other, you know, off that caffeine. We get off that caffeine, you know? And, And like these guys, I mean, it would be an interesting experience and it would be incredibly fucking fun to make fun of later on when you got out of there, you know, like I, I would have David Draymond on a podcast. I would love to have him on a podcast just to like get him talking and just, you know, yeah, he clearly likes to talk like his answers in this interview are so long bad too. let me read this answer that okay so dating back to the sickness you've used spiritual and theological elements to fuel your lyrical narratives what role does faith play in your life now not only as a musician but as a husband and father now the right answer to this no matter what is you know either if you're in a metal band you're like well you know i'm into satan and whatever and like i just don't like i you know I keep that for my kid right now till he's old enough to learn about the teaching of Anton LaVey, you know, but uh, instead he's like, not much. I'm a spiritual guy, but I'm not religious, but I'm not a religious guy, which is like a totally dumb guy thing to say. (laughs) Yeah, of course. course. I believe in a higher power, but like (laughs) what that higher power is, who knows? He's like, I believe in a balance and I believe in the whole concept of a first mover. If we're talking philosophically, But I'm not a religious person. It's some shit that he read in the cliff notes of a piece of philosophy. Yes. I'm, oh, I'm a first mover. Like, I move first, actually, in chess. I always get to go first. And I prefer it that way. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I do yeah. like this is actually a great whole section of the interview. Because then the next question, these next two questions go together so beautifully. Because it says, you're certainly one of Rock's most studied front men. You are a triple major at Loyola, business administration, philosophy, and political science. Which, like, the philosophy and political science is not even remotely surprising. Uh, but yeah, you were a triple major at Loyola before joining Disturbed. How do you still keep your mind sharp? Sorry, sharp. And he says, I read a ton, almost too much. It's constant. 
it's not novels or anything like that. It's always information. It's always a periodical data and news. It encompasses more of my day than I care to admit. Like he's just, I can't even, my day's so fucked. I'm just reading so much news, you know? And then the best, (laughs) then then the next question is so funny. Any guilty pleasures, bad TV, things that aren't particularly intellectual? Not really. Everything I sink my teeth into has some sort of pseudo intellectual side to it. For instance, me and the wife just plowed through The Witcher. Now, you can say it's a dumb entertainment to a certain extent, but not really. There's intricacies involved there. There's decent plots going on. I guess that's about as close to guilty pleasures as I get. That's my He's favorite. Talking about that there's a pseudo intellectual side to the Witcher TV show based on a video game. I mean, I know the video game is based on books, but like the the idea of like he can't even admit like that he just liked to watch the Witcher because there's boobs in it and sex and like mystical storylines. Like he just had no, but there's, you know what? There's some kind of, there's some intellectual shit going on there. You just got to look for it. It's like, he's putting it on the the reader. Like you might've watched the Witcher and thought that it was just like boobs and sex and sword play. But like, but if you, if you were smart, like me, then you would understand that the Witcher was actually very intellectual. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and it's just a guy that can't admit, he just uh, the I want to go with the first thing you said about how he doesn't read novels or fiction or anything like that. He doesn't have any bad TV he watches. He only watches prestige TV like The Witcher for intellectual reasons only. <laughs> yeah. Just studies it for and he didn't secondly he would probably tell you, no, I, I know The Witcher from the book, not the video game. Right. I, yes, of course. <laughs> I shan't play video game. <laughs> I, do, I simply don't have time. I'm, I'm consuming too many periodicals, Brian. <laughs> I don't have any time on the tour bus to game. I only have time to read my stories. And by stories, I mean news. The news. <laughs> <laughs> How much do you think he's? I mean, oh my, he probably has a J store. So, like, oh, he has a J store. Yeah. And he's he takes reading. like one class a year at Loyola to keep up his J store, uh, his J store <laughs> account. That's how he got the triple major. He's been doing it one class a year for the last 20 years. The triple major is also horseshit, uh, uh, lore building. Too, yeah, by the that way. doesn't that doesn't make any sense. No one has a triple major. Get a fucking master's or a PhD. You mo- if you have a triple major, you're a moron. <laughs> you're a stupid idiot. I mean, you just has- paid a bunch of money for nothing. Especially when two of your three majors are philosophy and political science. You're just doubling up on useless degrees. Yeah, That's he's so funny. He he graduated. He I, I, here's the thing. He got a bachelor of arts, right? That's what he got. He didn't get like yeah. a bachelor in all three of those things. He got a BA. Yeah. And exactly. uh, then he's just saying like, these are the three things I did. I mean, cause I'll tell people I, my, I have a, a bachelor's of arts, but like I, I, I got it in sociology. I'm like, a, a, I, I got a sociology one and I like focused on deviance and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like I was really into like, you know, why people do crime not like serial killer shit don't think of me like a sicko i'm like the other kind of crime 
Right. But uh, I the intellectual but, kind of crime. Yes, I'm more in. No, I'm into like the dumb kind of crime. Actually, that's what it was. I was like, dude, I want to learn about like people who just like shoplift or like a uh, uh, rob a convenience store type of thing. You know, <laughs> that was like the minds I wanted to get into gang members and shit. But but like he he got a degree and he just named the three courses he took that sounded the most intelligent instead of like maybe trying to find a theme there. Like, Oh, you know, you don't have to say I did philosophy. I know philosophy and political science are two different things. Just fucking pick one because you know, most lay people see them as basically the same thing anyway. (laughs) Yeah. And then your third is business administration. (laughs) So we know what you were really taking classes in. You were a fucking business guy who took one philosophy class and one poli sci class and thought you were a genius. Right. You can't be, but you can't, you don't want to be, considered a businessman in the world of metal yeah of course it's it's humiliating just a humiliating thing to be considered because people don't want to fucking think that their lead the lead singer in the band is a fucking just a suit like a businessman but that was like a really telling thing for me that that business administration was one of his majors because like it was just like yeah this guy's a fucking business guy He's just a businessman. That's what he is. He feels he looks like a businessman. He feels like a businessman. If he took those piercings out, he would look exactly like just a regular businessman. Put a fucking suit on. And uh, he's just like a guy that owns like a a stationary store. You know? (laughs) Yeah, no question. Uh, I also loved the only, uh, we can move on from this, but the only thing I loved was the also, they're asking him about the sickness they were going to do. They've now delayed this tour. They're going to do a 20th anniversary tour for the sickness. And he said that they weren't going to play the sickness cover to cover because that wouldn't be fair to people who got into the band at different points in the band's career. And the way he says it is, he says, Uh, We won't do the entire album, but we're going to do a ton of sickness material, deeper cuts, stuff people haven't heard us play off the record for a while, and definitely a huge portion of the material will be sickness-oriented. You can't, unfortunately, as a band at our level, at this point of our career, you can't just go out and play one record because everybody came on board at different stations. First of all, a band... Yes, you can't do that, actually. That is like a well well-worn territory at this yeah point. many many bands that are bigger than your band have done that for yeah. years for years and years i'm pretty sure uh you know i'm pretty sure david gilmore uh is somewhere doing the 38 and a half year anniversary of dark side of the moon right now so yeah, yeah you could fucking do pretty sure you can play the sickness cover to cover bud like that yeah. part, I, that part just blew my mind. Well, unfortunately, we're just too big of a band, you know. Yeah. I mean, we're too big of a band to play our album cover to cover. What do you want? It's not you know? because I'm not going to be caught in an arena playing dropping plates. That's <laughs> that's the real that's reason. The real reason. Yeah. Fucking say if he said that, you know how much spec it would have turned this whole interview around. If yeah. he was like, you know what, we got a few really fucking embarrassing songs on here. So I'm just going to, you know what, we're going to not play it. We're just yeah, going to not play drop and plates. It's embarrassing. Like we're just sorry. 
Yeah, like that would be so much better. Like, don't again, but he, this guy doesn't have a sense of humor. He doesn't have a humorous bone in his body. No, he's the most serious man. I, what? It, God, like that's you know how what? serious he is. Like they sat around as a band and had a discussion about that. Like that's yeah. the thing. Like they had to sit around and be like, so for our 20th anniversary tour of the sickness, do you think we should play the whole thing? And you know, like the drummer was like, yeah, definitely. For sure we should. It's the 20th anniversary. We play the whole album cover to cover. And you know, David was like, I don't know. I mean, you think we got to play the whole thing? Like drop it. Yeah. And then, you know, the drummer was just exasperated. Like they had a three hour argument that from the beginning, the drummer was just like, yeah, we got to play the whole thing. That's like, that's the whole, that's what people want. That's the whole thing they want. Yeah. I mean, that is the cool, that's like, it shows like a real lack of, of, of knowing what audiences want to. Well, and it's I also, mean, you the album do- is 48 minutes. So like I've seen, I've seen album anniversary tours and most bands will play the album cover to cover and then they'll play like 10 more songs. So yeah. like, if you feel like, oh man, we're going to have a bunch of people coming to this show that didn't listen to the sickness. Well, fucking whatever. For sure, they know Down with the Sickness. For sure, they know Stupefy. For sure, they know Shout. So that's like three songs at least that they're going to know. And then you can play 10 songs of, of fucking other stuff. Like, it just, yeah. it's so funny to be. It's, it's one of the funniest quotes ever. Yeah. Well, we, could just, we couldn't play the whole album cover to cover. I'm sorry. But. This guy is so far up his own ass. It's yeah. just, a, it's, he is. I mean, he's, I, you know what? And, and we have to, we have to vote at the end of this show for, uh, uh, or we have to do at the end of the show, we have to give suggestions for bonus content. Yeah. And I, I think I just found one of my things. Okay. So. Nice. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Well, let's, uh, we have, uh, we're, we're pretty much at the end of this here, uh, of this, of this album review and uh, you know, for fans of the show, if this is your first time ever listening to the show, what we normally do for review is uh, we do a, a tweet defense score where we say that if someone were to tweet at us and say that this album sucks, uh, how many tweets would we go in reply to them uh, defending this album? Uh, so Brian, uh, I'll let you go first. What is your, what is your tweet defense score of this album? Well, I want to be safe here, right? Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to be a safe guy when it comes to my tweet defense score of this album. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to give you a number and you might, I I don't know. I don't know what you're going to think of this, John. Okay. 27. (laughs) That's being safe. That's my safe (laughs) score for this. Okay, well, you're gonna have to unpack 27 for me because that is the highest tweet defense you've ever given any album. On that's the show. exact. That's exactly why I picked 27 because I don't. You, as you know, I never remember. Yeah, what I gave the last album, but I yeah. definitely wanted this to be the highest rated album that I've ever done. And right. I figured, oh, maybe I gave somebody a 25, like maybe Deftones, right. like a 25 or something like that. So I just said, let, I know I haven't given anything more than 27. Yeah. And uh, I don't want anything to like the next time I respond to something, the way that I've responded to this album, I promise I'll give it a 30. I'm not going to be a guy that forgets <laughs> about the 27, you know, but right, this is go. a, this album fucking rules, man. Like it just is like it. Th- if if I was reviewing this in 2000, 
I would have gave it a one, you know, like, right. but you're talking to me at 41 years old in the year 2020, uh, uh, you know, 10 years into a comedy career sort of thing. And like this version of me thinks this album's one of the funniest. It's one of the funniest albums I've ever listened to. And it is just like a real, it's a tour de force, which is crazy because really uh, uh, their version of Sound of Silence is, I've said this before, it's funnier than anything Weird Al ever did. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> so I just, I gotta say, I... I fucking this album and you you can't take me down listeners. I know what you were doing when you picked Disturbed. You thought I was going to be miserable listening to Disturbed. Well, guess what? 27 is what I'm giving Disturbed. Uh, that's crazy. Um I mean, good for you. I like that. <laughs> um I I think I'll go uh I think I'll go 4. Whoa. I'm going to go 4. I don't think it's that low. I mean, you always give me shit for going low. So, I mean, I think this just fits with the, like, here's the thing I do. Like I said, I do think stupefy is legitimately good song. Um, I think shout is okay. Like if you're the type of person who like needs a metal cover of an already perfect song, then it's good. Um, well, but he says ice ice baby in it too. Though. I know that's what, that's, that ma- that's what makes it good. Yeah, um, yeah, that's the only part that makes it good. <laughs> Otherwise, I wouldn't like it. I wouldn't like it nearly as much. As cold as ice, 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 baby. John, um, I might listen to this album tomorrow. Wow, right? I mean, that's like, which is like I don't even have to. You yeah. definitely don't have to, and I won't be listening to it tomorrow. <laughs> but uh, I like Stupefy. I like Shout. I mean, Down with the Sickness has it. It is what it is. Voices. Um, and I also think that, yeah, Voices is fine, too. Like, oh, all the songs are fine. Key. Like, there's no bad songs on it. There's no good songs on it, but there's no bad songs on it. Well, I think Stupefy is a good song. But then, the like, voice. the rest, n- nothing else is good. But, Dropping like, none plates. of it's but none of it's bad. Even Dropping Plates isn't bad. It doesn't sound bad. <laughs> the lyrics are fucking weird as hell, but it doesn't sound bad. You just have it on. It's not going to, like, ruin. If it comes up on Shuffle, it's not going to, like, ruin your life that it's on. Um, and also like David Draymond is just super funny, which we've learned. So like, to me, that mm-hmm. counts for like at least one tweet where if someone was like, yeah, but disturbed sucks. And I'd be like, but stupefy is good. And they'd be like, okay, yeah, but like David Draymond sucks. And I'd be like, no, he fucking rules though. Like he sucks, but he sucks so hard. He Terrible. kicks ass. Dog yeah. shit. Idiot, Dog shit man. guy. Idiot. Yeah. yeah. But I, but we love it. Um, so yeah, so I would go four. that's my, that's my tweet defense score. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's it. That's, that's the sickness. Um, before we get to the challenge, which we didn't even decide or vote on the previous challenge, but I do have an idea. You can see if you agree with me, but we'll, we'll say it after the look of fear in your eyes is palpable right now. I'm a Um, little nervous. Well, because I know I normally, I come, we come up with a challenge the day of recording and I had a family day today. I hung out with my, uh, my nephews and, my parents and my, my sister and her husband. So I completely, it's completely slipped my mind. I didn't do the poll. I don't even know who won the last challenge. I, I did a bad job as host this month, but hey, I do. Buddy, I, it's okay. I know it is okay, <laughs> but I will say I have an idea that I think we can do off the cuff. That would be good. But 
Uh, before we get to the challenge, uh, if you would like, if you enjoy the show and you're a fan, you can also donate to the show uh, at patreon.com slash the POD cast. And of course, the, the cast has a K in it. Uh, it's just $4 a month. We do one bonus episode every month. And we've had a great run. We've done six bonus episodes so far. We just did WWF Forcible Entry with Graham Clark from Stop Podcasting Yourself. Super fun. We looked at all these WWF theme songs. Disturbed is on it. Uh, and also, of course, as soon as you start donating to the show, you get access to all of our back catalogs. So you get Brian talking about his personal experience going to Woodstock 99. That's with Chris James. We've got an episode with Molly Lambert, Nick Weiger, Keith Buckley. Uh, there's a, a ton of phenomenal stuff there. So you can check that out all at patreon.com slash the POD cast. And of course, people have taken advantage. If you donate $50 to the show, you can tell us what to do for a bonus episode. And two people have already taken advantage of that. So it's exciting times. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at the POD underscore cast with a K. Uh, and if you like the show and you know friends that like new metal, they'll probably like the show too. So you should tell them about it. Uh, okay. We're at the challenge, Brian. Here's what I think for the challenge this month is that you, I will ask you a question and you will ask me a question and we have to answer it in the style of David Draymond. Oh, like not sing it, right? Not sing it. So, that too. so we're not doing any singing this month. We do a lot of singing okay. challenges. So to me, this feels like we just ask each other a question and we have to answer it. Like we think he would answer the question and it can just be like whatever question you want. Yeah. Okay. Okay. You like that? Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. for sure. So do you want uh, me to ask you a question first or do you want to ask me first? See, what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you first so I can right. get an idea of what an answer is. <laughs> okay. And then, you know. Yeah. And then uh, we'll go uh, okay. 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 Who is your celebrity crush? Well, I think, you know, and that's a great question, Brian. Um, the notion of celebrity in today's society is a little bit overblown. I think, you know, when you realize when you've been at this for 20 years, like I have been, uh, you realize like the line between celebrity and normal citizen gets kind of blurred a lot, you know, like you don't actually, like, I remember when we first started in this band and we would meet people, like I remember we met NASCAR great Jeff Gordon, you know, and that was a guy like I really looked up to when I was younger and you think to yourself, you're like, oh, my God, is this Jeff Gordon? Like the Jeff Gordon, you know, and, and you get you get blown. But then you just meet him. He's just a guy. You know, we just drank red wine. We talked about, you know, stuff. We, he talked about racing. We talked about music. You know, we're all just kind of alike. And I think that's something you realize the more you get into this. Like people will come up to me after the show and they it's clear they view me as a celebrity, which is crazy. Cause I'm just like a guy who went to Loyola university with a triple major and a 4.0 GPA. And I'm not, I'm just a regular guy. Like, yeah. Okay. I'm the lead singer of a metal band, but like, who cares? you know, like, what does that even mean? You know? And so to me, like to say, what, who's my celebrity crush? I mean, like we say, what even is a celebrity? I guess if I had to answer the question um, with this idea that the, the, you know, celebrity doesn't even really exist um, it's my regular bartender at TGI Fridays. Uh, she just <laughs> is unbelievably good looking, decent person, D but please don't print that. My wife will get really mad because she also knows who she is. But, uh, but yeah, that's probably my current celebrity crush. Oh my, that was so perfect. There is no way I'm winning this one. That was so fucking good. 
Thank you. Holy shit. That is wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, okay. Well, I will get, I, I'm going to try and I'm going to try and put you up on a T here so that you have like a good, that you have a good way of answering this as well. Cause this is actually where, when you started asking your question, this is where I thought you were going to go. So we'll go with this. Um, so this is actually uh, David. This is a, this is a two part question. Uh, the first part is uh, when you were coming up, uh, who were some of your kind of like metal heroes or metal bands that you look up to? And um, in the same vein, do you consider Disturbed to be a metal band? Well, I think the notion that there there are uh, uh, it has to be metal bands as my inspiration, like really belies that you don't necessarily understand, you know, it's not even necessarily bands that are the inspiration for disturbed. You know, I look through medical journals. I've read a lot of stuff about, uh, psychological issues and things like that. And, uh, uh, you know, Wicca and witchcraft and Eastern philosophies and things like that. And that's really, you know, what comes, that's really what got me, to start thinking about making music. It's like I could create a dark magic, uh, almost like a dark magic cloud that actually is light and uplifts the people in the audience by catharsis, a Greek concept <laughs> from many years ago. Okay. And then the other question, would I consider uh, uh, Disturbed a metal band? I consider us more philosophers and like, you know, I consider us the type of thing. I Yes, we're a band. Yes, we play heavy metal music. Yes, we tour with only metal bands. Yes, <laughs> we're huge on OzFest. But no, I wouldn't say we're metal. I would say we're, we're, we're funky. I would say... Wait, I got to get it. We're kind of a funky, intellectual, philosophical religion music. You know, it's like a gospel of intelligence. And that's <laughs> my answer. A gospel of intelligence. That's very good. Uh, that might be my favorite challenge we've done so far. I think we <laughs> both. I think we both won. <laughs> I want to be David Draymond. <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, yeah, like it's amazing how when you're popular, you can just be whatever you want. Like you can just be whatever guy you want, and people will just be like, "Yep, yeah, that's just he's just that guy," and they just accept it. It's he's awesome. Joe Rogan without a sense of humor and with also nothing to say. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's beautiful. Um, well, you know, people, you'll be able to vote on the challenge. I will let us vote on last month's challenge as well, and we'll just announce the winner on Twitter. So don't worry. We'll make sure we keep the scores updated for all that. Um, so we'll, yeah, we'll announce the winner of the kitty challenge on Twitter. Uh, but before we go, we do have to do a poll. And now, like we said, if you if you donate $50 to the show, you can suggest an album uh, for us to do. And normally we would just ask you suggest a bonus album. So the bonus album we have coming up for July this month, we're doing Straight Up, uh, which was one of my picks the last time we did a bonus album poll. It's the uh, tribute to Lynn Strait, the lead singer of Snot. It's a great album. I'm really excited to listen to it again. Uh, but... Uh, so we got that for July and then someone suggested uh, Static X's Wisconsin death trip. And uh, we were down. We were just like, you know what? Normally we'd say you have to pick a bonus episode, but that's a band we wanted to cover anyway. So, so we're doing that in August. So we don't have a challenge 
for the August uh, main episode, but we do have a challenge for the August bonus episode, uh, or sorry, a poll, I should say. And so that's what we're going to do. We're each going to put up two albums for the August bonus episode, uh, and then people can choose from there. So, Brian, what are your two choices? Okay, so you said albums, and one of my choices is not an album. That's fair. That's fair. Bonus content, we can do whatever we want. So, uh, yeah. It is the 2010 DVD release, A Decade of Disturbed. And it is a documentary (laughs) about a decade of Disturbed. It's one hour, 25 minutes long. Oh, my God. People don't need Disturbed episodes in two consecutive months. Well, they'll get the choice. Yeah, I know. Please don't vote for that. You know? And the other one uh, kind of is the same. It's kind of in the same vein as one we did with Molly Lambert. Uh, I want to do this really crummy Corn's Greatest Hits Volume One. I think is a it's a it's a good bonus show album. It's definitely not good, and it's right. seventy five minutes, so it's almost as long as a decade of Disturbed. And uh, none of the songs are really good, so I'm pretty excited for either one of these to win. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, okay. Uh, I'm I'm going to do the same vein as you, Brian. Uh, I'm going to have one non-album in here. So we t- we talked about one of the things when you and I were sitting down to think about what the bonus content would be. One of the things we talked about was music videos. Uh, and we haven't really talked too much about music videos on this show, uh, aside from a couple of corns we, we discussed with Nick Weiger when we did Who Then Now. Pardon me, but I think uh, I would like to do an episode that focuses only on the music videos from follow the leader and significant Ooh. other. Ooh. So, so that's, oh, that's just, so we would look at, uh, we would look at freak on a leash, got the life. Did they do a video for all in the family? Maybe. No, I'm trying no. to think of what the third, there video might be a live for. one because one of my choices, you know, and I, and, and I guess I could go back and do that. I, I did want to do one of those family values albums. Yeah, we'll get there. We'll get to the, but yeah, this, I think. think this one is one that's like, really it's, we're not wasting an album, you know? Yeah. No, Doing exactly. Corn thing. So it's good. This kind of a, if people want corn, they can get some corn. It's you know? good. Yeah. So we'll, so we'll, so that we'll put that up. So it's follow the leader, which I think is at least got the life and freak on a leash and significant other, which is uh break stuff, nookie rearranged. And I think that's it. I think those are the three videos off of significant other. So, so it'll be probably six music videos that we're taking a look at uh, for that bonus episode. If you choose that, or I will put up a soundtrack that a lot of people have asked us to do. Uh, and that is the soundtrack to Queen of the Damned, uh, which was a vampire movie that came out in the year 2002 or 2001, I guess. The soundtrack came out in 2002. And it is actually uh, a lot of the songs on here were written by Jonathan Davis, but sung by other people. Um, so Ooh. there's, uh, yeah, so Jonathan Davis wrote about half of the songs. And then they're sung by Wayne Static of Static X, David Draymond of Disturbed, Chester Bennington of Linkin Park, Marilyn Manson, uh, and Jay Gordon of Orgy. Uh, And then there are other songs on here by Deftones, Papa Roach, Earshot, Dry Cell, Tricky, and uh, Kidney Thieves. I don't know who that is. So and God and Godhead. So it's a oh, mix of it. so it's a mix of Jonathan Davis uh, songs written by Jonathan Davis but performed by other people and then just songs from other new metal bands. So those are the 
those are your four options. You got a decade of disturbed corn's greatest hits volume one, the music videos of follow the leader and significant other, or the queen of the damn soundtrack. That's going to be for the August bonus episodes. That poll will go up sometime around the end of July. Thank you everybody for listening. Brian, is there anything you uh, want to add before we go? Yeah. 27. That was the score I gave this album. That's all. (laughs) Beautiful. Uh, Yeah. Thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Again, if you like the show and you know, people that like new metal, uh, it seems to be a show that a lot of people uh, enjoy for the nostalgia factor. So uh, if you know people in your life that like new metal, tell them about the show. You can follow us on Twitter at the POD underscore cast. That's the only place to find all of the polls and challenge uh, polls that you can vote on, vote for a winner and vote for what album we do. So if you're not following, then you'll miss out on those. You can donate to the show, patreon.com slash the POD cast. We'll see you back here next month with static X's Wisconsin death trip. Thanks for listening to the show. Bye.